Paul. Um, let, let's get to that last bit first, shall we? We launched a Patreon crowdfunding campaign, a way that people could uh, show support for the show through cold, hard currency. We've never actually, uh, well, we've taken donations through PayPal for a couple of years now, never had any adverts or never commercialised the podcast. I thought it would be a nice way for people to say thanks, show they appreciate the show. The response has been incredible. Yeah, I mean, we were trying to make it so that um, if people did, because we've had this tip jar, but you, apart from like an email saying thank you, you've never really got much out of donating to the show. Um, we set up a system whereby people get some pretty cool rewards. Um, we're going to do some bonus content um, and we've, we've got some goodies lined up. But I mean, I think it's fair to say we're both absolutely stunned by the response we um we we launched a podcast we launched the patreon at midnight on the 1st of august and as we record it's the 2nd of august at 9 9 p.m so um i mean when i say midnight i mean 1201 at the beginning of the 1st of august and we've already uh hit one of our loftier goals um which uh, will enable us to get some guests on the show um, I promised that I would shout out anyone that donated while we were recording the show. And like, I'm kind of a bit overwhelmed by how many people that is now. So I've got to say a massive think- thank you uh, to Peter DeCock, Alan Glynn, Don Miller, Vishart Marishi, uh, Paco Pineda, uh, all, all signed up to the mug tier during the show. Um, should we, should we like, sorry if you've got no interest in this, by the way, we're not going to go on about it at the beginning of every show for the rest of time, but, um, should we, should we talk people through the tears, Ed? Yeah, let's do that briefly. I mean, firstly, I just want to talk a little bit about the inspiration because, I mean, clearly you owe a lot because you, you're the brains behind, uh, this. I, um, so I all, know what's coming now. All, all credit comes I, I, to just, you. Yeah. 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 Thanks. And so yeah. talk, talk to us about the Donald. Um, who's inspired your your capitalism? I'm very upset that you would associate me with that dreadful, dreadful, dreadful man, Ed. <laughs> he is a dreadful, dreadful, dreadful man. Um, uh, yeah, so the Rankcast patron is an innocent uh, aim of like trying to um, trying to support us as we as we do this show. It's not a Ed keeps going on about like how we're going to build Rankcast towers now. I think it might be you that's the Donald, Ed. It might be you. I, I've already painted uh, my office in gold. In fact, I, I just, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I just thought I'd outsource this now. I mean, you know, we're, we're so mega rich with this uh, with crowdfunding. I'm just going to buy a replacement in and, and uh, piss off to the beach. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm, I'm keeping it real. I'm staying on this gosh darn show uh, with a lot more guests this season because we've just hit the tier, which is going to enable us to do that. Um, I just want to say thank you to Brandon, to Craig, to Joe, all of whom who backed uh, the patron during the recording. Thank you to Chris, to Nick, to Wasim, to Zlopras, to Yemi, uh, to Pete McCarthy, to Scott Arthur, to Louise, to Richie. Um, thank you all very much indeed. So the way this thing works is you go to patreon.com slash rankcast. First of all, we should say the show is going to be free the same as it's always been there's not going to be any improvement in quality in the show just want to make that abundantly clear but nor will you get any less at all it's going to be the same length as it always was the same frequency as it always was and you're not going to have to pay anything at all to just keep listening as you always have done to the rank cast um but if you do want to support us um there's a couple of things you can do one you head to patreon.com slash rankcast and you sign up for one of the tiers that we've got available. Uh, the first of those is from $1 a month. And that is the Friend of the Rankcast tier. Initially, that was it. You just, it was just, you, you get to put hashtag F-O-T-R-C in any tweet you ever tweet to us. And we have to take you super seriously because of that. Um, but because we hit our first goal really quickly, you'll also get a little video from me every month saying thanks. And it all have ridiculous stuff in it because it's me. Um, the, uh, so if 10% of our listeners did that, we would absolutely smash our loftiest goal. So please don't think that we don't appreciate people that want to back at that level, because honestly, funny you talked about capitalism, Ed, but like, 
spreading spreading the load of supporting this show and enabling us to keep doing it moving forward uh, among lots of low costs uh, contributions that that is absolutely awesome um so yeah hit up that one dollar tier don't even don't think oh they're not going to care about that we super do and, and it really adds up like it already really has um the next tier up is five dollars and above and at that level you'll get some bonus stuff from us um we've already talked about this show i think we're going to talk about documentaries in the uh, in the 10 minutes uh bonus after the uh, normal rank cast today we'll do just a 10 minute bonus show on various different topics at the end of every show uh, which you'll be able to access through an rss feed which you can put in your podcatching software i'll be able to help with some technical support on that if you have any trouble once we've worked out how that works paul at unitedrant.co.uk or via email uh, if you want some technical support um you'll also get a half an hour q a show every month exclusively for patreon backers so that's bonus on top of the rank cast. Uh, rank the cast, next tier bigger, up, longer, and uncut. Yeah, more exactly. That is the more rank cast, please, tier. Uh, I'm going to rattle through these really quickly to not bore anyone that's not interested. Now, ten dollars and above. If you back that level for three months or four months outside of the UK and Ireland, you get a super cool exclusive Rankcast mug. We're never going to sell this mug anywhere. This is like, uh, you are a Patreon backer of the Rankcast. You have this mug. You could show this mug to anyone in the world and they will know you are a Patreon backer of the Rankcast. Of course, you also get access. Anytime you go up a tier, you also get access to all the stuff that's in the tiers below. So bonus content, extra video every month, all that stuff. The next tier up is a beautiful Zlatan Ibrahimovic print uh, done by Cal Gildart, who um, long-time listeners will know we've done a, a bunch of different stuff with Cal, and he's put together this very cool uh, Zlatan print. If you haven't seen that, you can hit me up on Twitter, and I'll show it to you. Um, I'll also make sure it's on the Patreon site so you can see it. Um, it's really nice. Uh, and that's $30 a month, that tier. And you get the mug, you get the art print after three or four months, depending on where you are in the world. And you get the bonus content and the extra video. The final tier, it felt weird putting this tier out there, Ed, I'm not going to lie. But people asked us to do it and it's a big thing in crowdfunding, so we did it. It's the interaction tier. $50 a month, you get the print, you get the mug, you get the bonus content, you get the... um, uh, video and you also get something off us a skype call a letter a series of doodles uh weird snapchats i don't know 16. whatever it is that no no sexting no this is this I, is I like we, we run a 50 dollars a month <laughs> <laughs> all right ed will sext you but i won't but that's probably the way around you want it to be honest and um yeah so that's that's obviously a ridiculous tier that we put in because people asked us to put it in there. That's limited to 25 people because we can't uh, do loads of work. And a massive, massive thank you to Jamie for hitting up that interaction. T- straight out of the gate, he was he was there with the interaction tier. So that is absolutely amazing. For $100, you can touch me. <laughs> the hugs at Old Trafford are still free, by the way. Um, Always. And then the very last point on this, we're working towards a couple of goals. I mean, to be honest, I was expecting to talk a lot more about the goals we were hoping to hit on the show, but we've already hit the first three, which means a video for every uh, Patreon backer at any level from a dollar up every month. Uh, Two hours of me streaming Football Manager on the internet, talking about it. Listen, honestly, some people were legitimately excited about that. So if you think, why the heck would anyone want that? I understand, but people do, so we'll give the people what we want. Uh, we've hit the tier, which I can't quite believe, uh, where I've I've kind of promised to make sure we get some guests on the show. Uh, we've we've had some brilliant guests over the years: Andy Thomas, uh, Dan Harris, Musa Kwanga, just some fantastic football writers. Um, Jamie Jackson uh, last season telling us he thought United were favourites for the title. Uh, back before it all went horribly wrong. The thing about sorting out guests is it takes a long time. So that's why we didn't ever do it regularly. But now we're going to have at least 10 guest spots uh, this season. And the only targets that we've got left to hit are a couple of big ones. One, if we hit $1,200 a month, which we're on the verge, we're not that far off doing anyway. Um, And I think hopefully people will be into this. We're going to host meetups in London and Manchester. Does that actually Um, mean I have to show my face? 
You're going to have to show your face. The amount of people, Ed, who have said, do a live show, do a live show, do a live show. Um, but we're not doing a live show. Well, we'll, we'll, think, we'll think about it. So we'll, we'll do that. Yeah. I think we'll get to the meetup point. Uh, we'll do yeah. the meetup. And yeah. uh, if no one tries to kill me, I, I may think about a live show. Oh, my goodness. So all we have to do is hit that meetup goal, not kill Ed, and we might get a live show. The final goal, the kind of like the theoretical lofty goal of $1,500 a month um, was uh, set up as a kind of guarantee that we're going to carry on doing the podcast next season, which is ultimately what this is all about. I mean, it feels very strange to be asking people for this kind of support, but there's some... I, I hope that you can... Trust us when we say there's some kind of good reasons that this has happened now, uh, which which won't get into, but that that there's kind of reasons behind this, and and doing this will enable us to carve out the time that we want to carve out to do the podcast, mm. which we've been doing. It, for it's seven all right, years. Paul. Look, you can talk about your habit on the show. Thank you, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, I have become horrifically addicted to avocado and. This is the only way of keeping me in avocados. So, um, well, great description. And, and look, uh, honestly, it's, it's not so much about the cash, but, um, well, it's a bit about the cash. Uh, it, it's a lot about uh, uh, you showing your appreciation, and, and we really do feel that. I, I think we were mega surprised how much support there's been. Um, I, we, seriously, seriously, I can't believe yeah. I didn't. I can't believe I didn't burst into tears. I've nearly got a few times. I've been crying like a baby all day. Um, <laughs> eh, not really. But, you, know, you probably didn't expect that, did you? Uh, we've talked for 14 <laughs> minutes about money. Uh, Manchester United was formed as a uh, working men's club for the uh, railway workers in uh, Newton Heath. Uh, this is also the club that's uh, about to spend £100 million plus on Paul Bogba. Uh, square that circle for me, Paul. And how do you think that's going to uh, uh, pass into the new season? Yeah, I mean... That's that side of it is really difficult. There's a, there's a heck of a lot of cognitive dissonance, isn't there, when it comes to this stuff? Because on one hand, the horrendous cheapening of the commercialisation of the club has been rather unpleasant to behold, and we've definitely railed against that. On the other hand, oh my God, Paul Pogba, Ed. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I have I rationalise this, and uh, it is rationalising uh, in terms of it's not my money. It's way better than in the pockets of the Glazers through dividends or special management fees. Um, uh, who cares what the total amount is? It's a, a world-class player and we need them. And I'm thoroughly going to enjoy Paul Pogba playing at Old Trafford. Of course, you know, that... Um, uh, in, in you know that that's clearly a rationalisation because in one framing uh, you could see us as um, you know a little bit hypocritical because over the years we've been extremely critical of uh, the club for refusing to spend money. Um, so now we're enjoying it when they do. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 that is how it works, isn't it? That is how the uh, the the circle gets squared. That or the square gets no, the circle gets squared. It's that. We want to see that money on the pitch, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, so keep on spending. <laughs> so what are we getting? Assume, by the way, Paul Pogba obviously hasn't signed at the time of recording. Um, what are we getting if he turns up? Well, he hasn't donated to our Patreon funding either. <laughs> Git. Uh, we, we, look, we're getting a, a on-the-cusp-of-world-class midfielder. I mean, in fact, if you take his performances for Juve last season, he's a world-class midfielder. Um, he's a couple of players in one. He he creates a lot uh, for someone um, who, you know, you don't necessarily think of as as a pure creative player. Uh, he gets a lot of assists, scores a decent amount of goals, not, not tons and tons, you know, one in four or so. Um, takes a lot of shots. Uh, he's you know prepared to take a risk. Um, he's a, he's a real number eight. He'll drive forward from midfield. He was completely abused at the Euros by Deschamps, who played him basically as a holding midfielder. Um, you didn't see the best of Pogba there. Um, you, you, if you want to see the real Pogba, go look uh, back at a bunch of Juve games from last season because he was excellent. That said, um, you're not getting the finished product, um, and so a world record fee for someone who's um, not yet dominant in his position is, is um, well, as Arsene Wenger put it, madness, I suppose. Um, yeah, although that, that Wenger quote has got to be the most taken out of context quote in history, given he said, it's madness if you can't afford it, but it's reasonable if you can. Yeah. 
Um, and, and United can. So they're getting an excellent midfielder. Of course, it's nuts that uh, four years ago, United let him go for free, basically, because um, A, they didn't offer him a contract early enough. B, Fergie fell out with the... Uh, Mino Raiola, the agent, and C didn't offer Pogba the game time he felt he deserved. You know, and at the time we had a lot of arguments as a community of Manchester United supporters about what was right there. Plenty of, plenty of, you know, um, perfectly sane Manchester United fans saying, "Look, he didn't deserve it. He had, his performances in the reserves weren't good enough to merit a place in the first team. What can you do? Uh, he took the money." Um, plenty of others who felt that the the potential was so great that United. Um, were, uh, you know, creating a false economy by refusing to sign up to the demands of the player and his agent. To be fair, though, those people have improved remarkably correct. About 100, 100 million, million pounds worth of right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was reading back today for an article I was writing for Bleach Report. I was reading uh, the, the Fergie quotes in 2011 about not signing Wesley Schneider. Uh, and he literally said, we've got this like Pogba, we can't put anything in his way because he could really be a star. And it's like, we can't put anything in his way apart from Park and Raphael in the centre of midfield and Paul Scholes. Um, but yeah, I think that that point, yeah, that point so often gets overlooked that people that watch the reserves regularly said his form really dipped around the time he wasn't getting into the first team and thought he should be. And that was a time he had to, if you're going to get Sir Alex on side, you've got a fight there, haven't you? You know, that's that's when you've got to knuckle down. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and people, I would say, extrapolate from that time uh, to make some assumptions about Pogba and, and you know, because they kind of conflate it with uh, Raiola's, um, you know, well-earned reputation for uh, being a hard negotiator uh, when it comes to players and, and you know, quite sensibly realising that his biggest buck comes when he moves players on, not necessarily from their next contract with the, the current club. So... Um, uh, you know, people may think Pogba has a, a poor attitude as a result. I, I think that's a little unfair. Um, I think he's, you know, in four years at Juve, he's knuckled down. He worked really hard. He got into the team and he's become a, a you know, really top class player. Um, and that's not through bad attitude. And now he's looking for the next move. Of course, um, if this was happening somewhere else, if Manchester United had just won the European Cup, um, and were successful uh, and uh, had one of the greatest players ever to grace the game as the manager um, and uh, some other upstarts came in who just finished, what, fourth, seventh and fifth, uh, <laughs> won some tin pot cup called the FA Cup and just threw money yeah, at we it. Might, we we mean, might I feel a bit aggrieved about that. Real Madrid's chickens are coming home to roost, aren't they? They've run their club so poorly that even though they easily should be in a position to be able to afford Pog, but they can't. Well, yeah. I mean, they're significantly in debt. They're revamping uh, Bernabeu. Um, they've, they've spent tons and tons of money on players. And um, not wisely and they either. would have to shift some out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, but they've, got, they've, they've not spent wisely, so they aren't really able to shift players out. No one's going to give them £40 million for James Rodriguez this summer, are they? Cause... Well, the only, the only people who do that are Manchester United, probably. <laughs> so um, the, the, I read this really interesting article by Sam Lepretti uh, on Bleach Report from March this year where he was talking about how Juventus managed to kind of revive Pogba and get the best out of him in the in the latter stage of last season because he really dipped after Pirlo and, and Vidal went um, because he sort of... Patrice Everett gave this quote where he said, it's almost like Pogba knows how good he is and so he feels like he's got this tremendous responsibility to carry the whole team and actually Pogba works best when he's relaxed and comfortable and is playing in a in a working system with good players all around him. And that was why playing a 4-3-3 was so effective, or at least a three in midfield for Juve was so effective. And if you think about all the social media stuff that came out of Ever and Pogba during the Euros, you could see that Ever is like consciously trying to make Pogba feel relaxed and comfortable and that he doesn't have the weight on the world of weight of the world on his shoulders. And I wonder, this is all leading up to a question, uh, Greg Johnson wrote an article on Squawker about this, about where, how you get the best out of Pogba in a midfield. Because if we play Pogba and Carrick behind Rooney, Martial, Mkhitaryan, 
Ibrahimovic in four two three one. That will be a good team, I think. But you are not going to get the best out of Pogba compared to you drop Rooney, put Herrera in in midfield, have a three in midfield with Pogba on the left hooking up with Luke Shaw. Well, it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, with with Pogba, but any, without Pogba, uh, I think United's players are set up for a four three three without Rooney. Um, and here's where the uh, the agenda comes in. Um, but it's just it's just it's just sound logic right now. So you play Rooney in the hole because you have to, right? Because he's not a number nine, and he doesn't deserve to be in the team against ahead of Ibrahimovic or Rashford or Martial. Um, and uh, you play him at number ten and shift McTerrian to the right and play Martial off the left. And then, yeah, of course, you're going to have to play Pogba out of position. Either way, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult one for for Jose to get right. I think he's man enough to do it in the in the way that. Van Hal and, and Moyes weren't, um, but he's 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 got a lot of trade offs to make um, in that four two three one system. He's going to sacrifice Pogba, Pogba's best role, uh, and he would have to sacrifice Rashford. So Rashford either drops to the bench or plays on the wing. Uh, he plays Rooney in a, a position to which he has almost never excelled. Um, or you play four three three, and uh, he he shifts Rooney to the wing and you sacrifice one of your better players, McTarian or Martial, um, or drops him all together, which is the most sensible choice, frees up Pogba. Um, but then it's a, you know, it's a massive political storm. Comes in, tries to make a statement by dropping the captain. Yeah. And, you know, the, all the, the smoke signals are not that that's going to happen. Uh, Rooney gave this interview to Martin Samuel of the Mail. It was mostly about England. And actually, I have to say, if I was Roy Hodgson, I'd be quite, I'd feel... I don't know, almost a bit betrayed, really, by by the... He, he really throws Hodgson on the, under the bus, and Van Gaal too, actually, if you read between the lines, which, considering what both of them did for him, is a little bit... Mm, I don't know. I, I, I've always been very reticent to bash Rooney as a character because, you know, that that's never been the agenda, as it were. Um, but that was a bit... It left a bit of an odd taste, but he says in this interview that Mourinho's come to him and said, you're not going to be playing midfield. Of course, talked a little bit this about this during the Eurocasts, but Mourinho was adamant at his opening press conference, not a, not a six, never a six, not even an eight. Um, so Rooney's just not going to play in midfield. Against Galatasaray, this feels weird to say, Rooney scored two goals in that game, but he was atrocious. He had like well, maybe one good touch, one good pass. The first half with him behind Ibrahimovic, which was the first time that's ever happened and it's 45 minutes of a friendly. So let's not completely assume this is going to be the case. But exactly what you thought would happen would happen. They would get in each other's space, both be dropping to the same positions to kind of get the ball and try and feed people ahead of them. And Ibrahimovic looked an enormous cut above Rooney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there's a couple of bold moves you could make. Um, the one that probably won't happen is to play Mata at 10, you know, playing a, an actual number 10 at number 10. Of course, the, the modern way is to not really do that um, uh, and, you know, play a deeper forward. Yeah, maybe Ferguson was the pioneer of that in a way, uh, of which Rooney really suits. A bold move might be to play uh, Ibrahimovic there, dropping a little deeper, you know, he doesn't have the pace of old and not play with the target man and play with Rashford or Martial ahead of him. Um, either way, Ring doesn't get in the team, uh, and either way, you squeeze Pogba out of some of that space. Um, the 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 one that makes sense is to play with no number 10 at all. Uh, Mata doesn't get in the side. He's a sacrifice. Um, uh, you play with pace on the wings in McTarian and Martial, and Ibrahimovic is the... The, uh, the kind of pivot up top and give Pogba free reign to bomb forward. Yeah, but the problem with that is then you've got a situation where Rooney is potentially third choice. I mean, that would never happen, of course. It'll end up being Rashford that's third choice. But, you know, Rashford showed in that uh, the half he had against Galatasaray that... Fire. You know, it's just it's just beautiful to watch Marcus Rashford play football. And, and that's why... I, I, my favourite of all those options is almost like you, you, you do sacrifice a bit of Pogba by playing as, him as a, in a two, but you play Ibrahimovic and Rashford 
almost interchangeably as two nine and a halves because Ibrahimovic hasn't got the pace in the sense of like outstripping defenders on a counter attack. But one thing I really noticed against Galatasaray is he's not half quick over like five, six yards. Right. He's still so much power in those legs. Right, right. That he really has that explosion. True, yeah. Um, I mean, we saw at the Euros just how much it impacts Pogba to play in a too deeper position. And, and, you know, the sacrifice would be that either Pogba holds and he's responsible for the team, which he was for France, um, and protects the back four, or he doesn't and Carrick gets overwhelmed. Or it's more likely to be Schneiderlin, I think. But you see, and and that's the thing, because Schneiderlin is a box-to-box midfielder, and Van Gaal played him as a holding midfielder and didn't really look like a holding midfielder. Agreed. So... The, the, this is this is another reason why four three three just jumps off the page when you look at United squad. Carrick, Schneiderlin, Andor Herrera, Pogba, like that's a midfield three. That is you. You really compensate for Carrick's. You know, Carrick has the kind of freedom to do all the ticking over stuff that he does so well. Pogba can hook up with Shaw on the left. Shaw can be the new Patrice Evra in Paul Pogba's life. Um, and then you've got that front three. There's plenty of game time to give Rashford. But then there is just no room in the squad for Rooney. And we're not at that stage yet. So well, there is going to I think there is going to be some frustration this season, even though there's like so much cause for optimism. There is going to be some frustration about the Rooney issue again. Yeah, and he may well keep on coming up with goals and numbers to justify his inclusion despite yeah. terrible performances. You know, I agree I agree with you. Against Galatasaray, he looked all at sea. I mean, he's uh, he's rusty for about, you know, what, 12 or 15 games after he uh, has a break. Yeah, and, and there will be another purple patch and everyone will be saying, oh, you should never have written Rooney off. And There wasn't much of a purple patch last season. What did he score? Well, there... Seven Premier League goals in the end and most of them came in January. Yeah, but that, that was the purple patch. Then he got injured at the end of that. And actually then he was fine in midfield because anyone can make an amazing pass under no pressure. Even even Mourinho, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, preseason has been a little bit truncated, hasn't it? Yeah. So we had the game against Wigan. Pretty pedestrian, that one. The thrashing against Dortmund in Shanghai. The game that was called off against Manchester City and the one against Galatasaray. Rooney's testimonial um, tomorrow, Wednesday. And uh, I guess there'll be a pretty full-strength team out for that one because they need the game time. And then then the Community Shield, which is, you know, a, a, the last pre-season warm-up, I guess. It has to be, doesn't it? Because United are a little bit undercooked. Yeah, uh, so should we talk about China? I mean, the, the Wigan game was was fine. It was fun. It was lovely to see Luke Shaw back. The, the notable things about that was all the crowd reaction, really. The crowd reaction to Marino was, I mean, there were 7,000 travelling Reds at a pre-season game against Wigan. And, you know, I know we pat ourselves on the back for being this fantastic support and it must stick in the core a bit of other fans. But... I mean, it was just it's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, of course we'll take 7,000 fans to a pre-season game at Wigan. Um, and uh, Mourinho's name was lustily sung. There was a, a chant of Jose, give us a wave, at which point he gave no wave. And then the old sit-down Mourinho broke out and he waved. And it was like, oh, he can handle the banter on top of everything else. Um, it was it was very nice. And, uh, you know, it was a functional functional performance and I mean the performance is kind of irrelevant isn't it Mkhitaryan was really good in that first half in that game yeah. it looked like oh that's exciting yeah it was pretty exciting and and, and great to see Shaw back uh, fantastic and then on to to China and uh, I mean I I don't think you've spent much time in China China in the summers um, can be a little unpleasant I have to say the the um, the pollution really amps up um, and the air is a bit heavy and, and the players complained a lot about the temperatures and said it wasn't ideal and obviously the pitches weren't great either for training or playing. Um, and United took a beating from Dortmund who'd, you know, in all fairness, had played five preseason games to United's one going into that game. Yeah, and that was just exactly what that game... I had to write an article after that game and I was thinking, how do you really say anything of merit after that game other than, yes, Dortmund have played five games and United haven't, and so Dortmund were much better than United. There were little glimpses. Mkhitaryan scored. Mata with, like, Mata's been on assist fire 
Um, for... I think he's had a very good preseason. Yes, yeah. I, I just can't work out a narrative in which he gets into the team. Someone promised they'd back the patron if we didn't use the word narrative all season, and we're half an hour into the first episode, and both of us have now used it. Have we got any other banned words? <laughs> I don't think so. Rooney, but are we going to have to bleep the word narrative? <laughs> I think you already give Tom enough work to do, bleeping wise, Ed. Um, right. Um, that Borussia Dortmund game was, was yeah, it was basically a non-event. Uh, funny that Mkhitaryan was signed by Dortmund to replace Mario Goetze, and now they've signed Mario Goetze to replace Mkhitaryan. Well, there's a narrative you could get out of that. <laughs> there really is. Um and then it was the onto the big super clash between Pep and Mourinho. That's right. There's an awful lot of unprinted column inches in the world uh, as the talk about narrative. Getting ready for, when is it? September the 10th or the 11th or something like that for the, uh, the actual derby. They can pull out all their copy all over again. Yeah, absolutely. That game was called off because of what the rain had done to the freshly laid turf at the Burzner Stadium after a fungal infection in the turf. They relayed it. Then there was, you know, torrential rain, which kind of messed up the relaying. Then I think the the night before or two nights before, that kind of come back and stopped the ground bedding in. And then you saw pictures of that turf. It was completely unplayable, wasn't it? Yeah, um, for sure. I think United and City have uh, reaped what they sowed, though. Um, uh, none of this is unexpected. You know, normal weather for the for the region this time of year. Um, so there you go. Uh, what what could they have done differently apart from not going to China? Yep, yep, not going to China. <laughs> is that that's the thing they should have done? Yeah. Well, look, this is entirely about um, sponsorship opportunities and publicity and brand awareness. You know, entirely about it. No, no one on the playing staff or the coaching staff um, has anything good to say about this kind of trip. Um, uh, from a training facilities point of view uh, or or preparation for the new season. Now, if they could fix that bit, then there's no problem, right? Um, mm. You know, United are going to do a tour every single year. and uh, But why do we have to have the same conversation every single year, which is, you know, we're not quite ready. We're, our preparation has been impinged upon by commercial activities, um, and this year it was almost a farce as a result. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and, you know, I, I just think there's just a little bit that they need to do to to balance um, balance this out. It happened the last time United uh, were in Asia as well. You know, they hadn't quite got it right in terms of facilities and preparation and, and understand the impact of, you know, conditions and all of that. Um, when they go to the States, is you know, it has been a bit different. It's also going to be, you know, extremely hot in the States, depending on where you are, big country, of course, um, over the summer. Uh, but at least they have strong facilities. Uh, and, and this is not to say Asia bad, US good or anything like that. You know, no, no. I like the, the, uh, the good old days where they played a few friendlies at home and a couple of Scandinavian trips, you know. Yeah, and... Um... That was uh, indeed what was next on the agenda because in the world's most perfect ever moment, Zlatan Ibrahimovic scored a bicycle kick four minutes into his Manchester United debut in Sweden. Well, it was always going to happen, wasn't it? Yeah. It had to be. I mean, he obviously scuffed it, but he didn't have to do a good job of scuffing it. What a great game, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, not necessarily the first half, but absolutely burst into life in the last 45. Yeah, I um, I watched the first half and then hit record and went out because it was Friday night, I was going to see some friends. And I was kind of like a bit like, oh gosh, I'm not really looking forward to watching this second half when I get home later. Then uh, I checked Twitter, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward to watching that second half. What did you uh, put the improvement down to? Uh I don't know, actually. Um, you know, it's a good combination of players. Um, obviously, Rashford had a, a you know great time, didn't he? I mean, the, the one run where he, he he well, I guess you class it as a take on in stats terms, uh, takes the ball on, beats the player effectively twice with the same run, um, and gets into the box. That was great. Uh, United scored um, uh, Rooney's second goal, non penalty goal, was excellent. Beautiful movement. Uh, from a number of players, get out wide, get it in. Was that Rashford again who got the ball across? 
no, Valencia. Valencia, Valencia. Three, three assists in that yeah, game, yeah. Valencia. Um, Mourinho is a miracle worker. Wow, yeah. Just a good combination of attacking play. I mean, not the highest quality opposition. No, and uh, absolutely not. It was very much uh, friendly by that point in the game. They were like pretty intense in the first half, Galatasaray, but kind of went. The referee was just letting anything go. They were just, Galatasaray was just allowed to basically punch Man United in that game, uh, but still, still managed to to get the win. And it was uh, it was great that matter goal. I mean, like that's lovely. That stuff is why. You want one matter in your team. The, the 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 trick he does in the build up, the pass he hits out wide to I think Carrick. Carrick yep. slots the pass across. Matter has the wherewithal to go into that unmarked space and scores. Brilliant. Um but Rashford was the the highlight of that game, I think, for me. Um Rooney did improve a little bit in the second half, but almost not that much. And and actually this is this is this feels like arguing a point for the sake of arguing it, which I, I would never want to do. It feels almost like confirmation bias to say the goals almost highlight the Rooney problem. They almost shine a spotlight on it because, look, he still can just about do a bunch of really good number nine stuff. That The first goal, the the, the one that's not the penalty, is such a, a pure number nine. It is post-2010 Wayne Rooney, that. and And there are better options in that role at the club now. You know, so the, the fact yeah. that he's and and he's so positionally indisciplined at number ten. Uh-huh. Oh, I don't know. I, I feel like I know. I mean, I feel like we're so going to have this conversation this. a lot yeah. this season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he, it's just very frustrating because it's actually it's not an agenda. I mean, it's it's just there, right? It was a very poor performance. Um, we'll we'll see where we get to, but I think it's going to result in a lot of compromises. Uh, I wonder how long that will last. Is it is it the season before he heads off to China? Or or the MLS or back to Everton? We'll see. I, I predicted that this would be his last season because I can't see a way. I wish I could. I wish I could see the reinvention of Wayne Rooney under Jose Mourinho, that he gets his mojo back. But I don't see that. I can't see a way that that happens. And I think he causes too many... There's too much knock-on effect. There's too much butterfly effect of Rooney, um, which yeah, we would, we talk, we've been talking about for three years. That even like since the end of the Moyes season, we've been talking about that. Oh, by the way, talking of summer review and uh, the Moyes season, I would just like to point out that I am so glad David Moyes is not the manager of Manchester United anymore. And noth- <laughs> nothing made me think that more intensely than hearing David Moyes talk about something. I was just so like, oh, I've written, my column comes out for you, Max, it on Wednesday. There's like 1,100 words about how David Moyes is talking. is like nails on a chalkboard. He talked about being unfairly treated. By Max. I know. Just imagine being that bad at your job performing you know having such poor results uh, and then blaming your employer for all you know and and look th- there is some blame to it and we've obviously been over this many many times there is some blame to attach to the club he didn't get the support that van Hal and Mourinho are getting um in the transfer market would it have made much difference a little bit not much you failed, Moisey. Move on. And it's not as if he suddenly proved us all wrong afterwards. He got sacked inside a season in Spain as well. One of the things he said was that what's happened since he left kind of proves that there were mitigating circumstances around why he lost too many games. And I kind of think that is a very convenient reading of history if you're David Moyes, because I think you could also very strongly argue that what's happened since he left was absolute proof of how disastrously he handled everything about his job. That the kind of there's a two-year tail on his failure. And and I think the truth is somewhere between those poles. Uh, but it, it, he said, like, he said he didn't take the Sunderland job when Allardyce took it because he didn't think they could stay up. And, like, when you break that down, what he's saying is, I didn't think I could keep them up. Well, yeah. I'm not good enough to keep Sunderland in the Premier League, but I definitely am good enough to be Man United manager. Now, talking of uh, Allardyce, uh, you got your way. Big Sam is England manager. Yes! Yes, gravy for everyone. My God. Uh, (laughs) We've gone back to the 1980s, haven't we? (laughs) I mean, in horrible, lots and lots of really horrible ways that we won't talk about on the show. But 
I'm happy about Allardyce being the manager. I, I think I don't think he'll play really terrible football. Um, I think that he will. I think the players will like him and they'll like playing for him and he'll make it fun. And I think that's really all you have to do if you're an international football manager. International football management is completely different to domestic football management. Uh, of course it is, although there are plenty of stories going around that the uh, the players would have preferred an overseas manager. I bet that's Rooney, um, I'll tell so you. We'll see how it goes. I, you know, honestly, I think it's pretty predictable how it goes. You know, England will qualify for the World Cup in 2018 because the group they're in is very low quality. They will qualify. It doesn't matter how much Allardyce... But, you know, it's it's upper matum, English-style Allardyce, hoof it long to the big man, will work fine. Um, and it, they'll be dreadful in Russia in, in two years' time because they'll be outthought by anyone with, you know, even the slightest nuance of of uh, tactical plan. Of course they will. But I don't quite know why you would say that with such certainty because it's not like Allardyce has spent his career being outthought by anyone with a tactical plan in the Premier League. Because he hasn't. In fact, he's done quite a lot of outthinking. Well, well, no, no. The tactical plan is keep it tight, hit it long. <laughs> Look at the improvement in West Ham since he left. Don't tell me how many Hammers fans who are also England fans I think are like, oh yeah, we're in for some samba football now. Yeah, maybe not. You might be right. You often are about these things. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah. I just quite. I just feel like. We've got the manager we deserve. Well, no, that's true. I agree with that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, I just want to take a very quick break from the show to say thank you to a couple of people. Um, Just want to say thank you to Don and Alan. And also say thank you to Toby, to Robert, to Andy, to Jack. And finally, to Shiva and to Sophie. And to Ben, all of whom who have backed since uh, that last round of me saying thank you to people. So, yeah, thank you. Um, well, it's good, isn't it? Um, so the the next up on next up on United's docket. Well, actually, very quickly, let's assume we get Pogba because I mean, I hate to do that because it's like a recipe for pain. If it doesn't happen, that'll be really terrible now. Um, but let's assume we get Pogba. This is the best, most effective transfer window that the kind of the 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 most efficient and sensible transfer window United have had for a very long time, right? It is. Uh, they got into bed with uh, Mino Raiola, and it's worked. It's funny. We really thought this would be the summer of Jorge Mendes. It's uh, it's not. It was so much going to be the summer of Jorge Mendes that he was effectively the new director of football at, at United. Uh, Raiola isn't that um, but uh, Woodward has certainly done a good job outsourcing I mean he's going to pay for it an awful lot but he's outsourced a bit of his job he was so bad at it's it's a really weird one though isn't it what's Jose Mendes thinking he's like going uh, Jose um, you know over these years how much money I've made you and now I've fought your corner and got you all the jobs you wanted and all that why 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 Mino? Why are all the Mino clients going to United? Well, we'll see. Look, they'll, they'll wrap up uh, Pogba and then nothing will happen until August the 31st and then we'll sign seven Mendes clients of <laughs> uh, dubious quality to pad out the squad. <laughs> uh, talking of um, people that were signed in transfer windows that seemed to be quite efficient, I thought last season seemed to be addressing the areas of uh, problem in the squad. But Bastian Schweinsteiger did not, in fact, turn out to be the second coming. I think it was perfectly sensible to sign him as the kind of conduit for Van Gaal's system, uh, a Van Gaal ally. But uh, Jose Mourinho clearly perceives Schweinsteiger as a Van Gaal ally because he's training with the under-23s and he's had to clear out his locker. No respect, as Toby Schweinsteiger said on Twitter. Well, quite, but he's. Uh, this is showing that Mourinho is not afraid to make those big decisions, right? I mean, mm. there's echoes of, uh, of Valdez and Van Gaal, of course. Yeah, I suppose. Um, Schweinsteiger is, you know, two years out from uh, having captain Germany to a World Cup win. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, one of the greatest players in Germany's history has played more tournament football than any player in Germany's history. You know, this is a this is a big time player who's very poor for United last season. You know, and I, I think just on in terms of logic, right? So sk- skip away from how he's maybe being treated or not. 
you know, mm-hmm. depending on who you believe. The logic that you sign Carrick on a one-year contract and you don't keep Schweinsteiger as a result it is perfectly sound to me, you know, perfectly sound. Mm-hmm. And I, I think basically it was either or, um, and that decision was made some time ago. Uh, now, if Schweinsteiger's not going to move, then he's not going to get too many opportunities, you know, and, and maybe this is just posturing and United will not be able to accept the fee. They'll just have to uh, take a hit. They may even have to pay him off a little bit, you know, because he's on very large wages and, and given his injury problems, you wouldn't have thought that clubs in, you know, supposedly clubs interested in Italy would pay the same kind of wages. No, so the reported wages is 200,000 a week. Between You see reports between 200 and 250. He's, broadly speaking, before this summer, was United's second best player, best paid player. So that it, there is this kind of similar situation to Rooney, really, where there's a, there is a big contract there. And, and I think you're absolutely right. I can't really see a way that United could shift him unless he was prepared, literally prepared to move to China, which I, I think then someone in China would definitely play Bastian Schweinsteiger like £200,000 a week and the way things are going. But I think no one in the MLS is going to pay him that, obviously. And Mourinho must have talked about that with Woodward, you would imagine. I, I'm sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have no doubt. Um, he, he, yes, <laughs> he hasn't quite built up the bank of credit to yeah. going around and uh, burning uh, six or seven million pounds worth of assets just yet. So, um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how we preview a, a, a testimonial game for Wayne Rooney. I mean, I'm not quite sure how seriously United take it. I mean, they really do need to, some quite a few players do need some minutes. So I'm going to guess there's going to be quite a few um, uh, proper players playing out there uh, and some guests and the usual stuff. Yeah, I believe Wayne Rooney is playing one half for each team, which I think is really nice. And having talked a lot about the problems that his presence is currently causing, I feel like I want to say you might feel differently about this. And I know a lot of people, whether you do or not, a lot of people definitely feel differently about this. I think Wayne Rooney is incredibly deserving of a testimonial at Manchester United. I think... The two transfer requests, first of all, I think really lumping them both together is, as I've done many times myself, is probably unfair on Rooney if you look at the nuance of what happened in both those cases. First one, pretty much unquestionable. The second one, I think he felt that Ferguson was trying to edge him out of the team. And I think that Ferguson was trying to edge him out of the team. So I kind of feel like I have some sympathy for his position there and then when he was told no you're desperately wanted at united also we'll pay you this massive wage to prove it he was like all right i'll stay then and 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 over the last four years i think his form's fallen off a big cliff and there's there's been less and less of the good wayne rooney but he's gonna be the club's all-time leading goal scorer if he plays more than 20 games this season he'll be the sixth leading appearance maker ever at united i mean that is quite some shift. He's won five league titles. He's won the Champions League. He won the Club World Cup. He's won the FA Cup. Most of those titles, United probably wouldn't have won if Rooney wasn't around. Because, you know, or at least you could say he made a really substantial contribution to those. So, like, he has been an incredible player for United at times. Yeah, and, and then the counter to that, the you know, the, the rejoinder of the argument is that he's not been as incredible as he should have been, right? Because the numbers are better than the performances, especially over the last six years. Um, he did want out, um, and after he wanted out, the performances haven't been as great. You know, there's been two great seasons in 10 years at United, two great ones. So there's that 2005-06 and 2009-10. Right, and, and uh, uh, you know, quite a few very good ones and, unfortunately, quite a few pretty poor ones now. Um, so it's not been an even time for United. And I just think the thing that disappoints me most um, when I look back on Rooney, when he does eventually leave, the, uh, leave as one of, you know, the all-time great appearance makers for United and, and almost certainly the, the greatest ever goal scorer for United, um, is the excitement I felt when he was 18 years old did not translate throughout his career. The excitement I felt when Ronaldo first played for United did translate right throughout his career. You know, and and maybe that's an unfair comparison, but it's just true. And, you know, that's one of the biggest disappointments for me. Uh, And he just stayed a little bit too long. And it doesn't help that he wanted to get out a bit earlier. Yeah. And, And I 
don't really disagree with any of that. And and I think he's such a divisive player because there are such obvious arguments and counter-arguments about him. Even the first time he wanted out, I mean, he wanted to go to City, which sort of slightly undermines it. But even then, you know, when he said, he said exactly what, you know, the podcast was up and running by then. And he said exactly what we were saying about United every week when he wanted, which is that the club are, la- are showing an obvious lack of ambition in the transfer market, and there's therefore there is going to be a decline in quality, and I'm going to achieve less by staying here. I mean, he didn't say that; that that bit was implied. And you know, I don't think he was wrong, really, at the time. No, no, it was a very dumb piece of PR. Um, he, he because. Uh, you know, the thing about United, as angry as people were with the Glazers and as right as you might have been, and, and you might have been tapping into a, a sentiment that was on the uh, on the terraces, definitely, um, what he did was attack the club. Backfired big time and, and Ferguson masterfully put him down. So, you know, and, and, you know, you're absolutely right. We were all saying the same things. Um, I don't know that that was really true though in terms of you know the the lack of ambition yes the i can win more elsewhere because he'd have gone if that was the case anyway um actually what it was was a negotiating tactic he had an offer on the table from city got a bigger one from united and state and and do you really just think it's that simple in the end it was ju- yeah, yeah pretty much i mean it is it, it comes down to this you know why is pogba joining united is it for the love of united or yes is it because of course mega wonga on the table it's unfinished business ed that's all it is uh-huh. first never follows. that would be the narrative of course <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and just like united's third kit is inspired by uh, our history which I think is the marketing <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I quite like all the kits this season. I don't like the second kit very much. No, they're all right. I, I don't mind them. Uh, I, you know, honestly, they would all be five hundred percent better without that big ugly Chevrolet logo. Yeah, no. no. Just had the words. All cool. Anyway, so that's the testimonial. Then on to the big one. The big one, the one that even Moisey won, the Community <laughs> Shield. An absolute classic uh, Manchester United um, mainstay for many years, the Community Shield. I mean, Mourinho was in the Community Shield last season, of course, and they, Chelsea got absolutely hammered by Arsenal after a really undercooked pre-season. Huh, interesting. Um, oh, I meant to look up Leicester's pre-season results. Yeah, well, they've they've actually not had a, a really busy pre-season either. So they beat Oxford and they played Celtic in the Champions Club Cup. They got battered by Paris Saint-Germain the other night. Uh, they did play Barcelona on Wednesday and and then uh, and then play us. Their season is going to be really interesting. I mean, they've held on to Vardy. Arsenal were trying to get him, but he was like, "The try made me go to Arsenal." I say, "No, no, no." And then um, Mares, it looks like he's staying. They've lost Kante, though, the third of the Holy Trinity. Um, that is that is a big loss. He's probably the one you'd least want to lose, right? Big loss, and they haven't quite replaced him yet. I mean, there's time. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, yeah. Uh, they they Look, they're still going to be a good side. I can't, I, I, and I know it's an obvious reaction. I know it's, you know, almost a cliched reaction. I, I just can't see them coming anywhere near the top four. Uh, again, but uh, maybe I'll be play- proven awfully wrong again. I mean, I think there's going to be some serious competition this year. We'll do a full preview of the season next uh, next week. You know, some really hot competition for those top four places. Um, I think Leicester might struggle a little bit. You know, it's it's pretty obvious how you play against them, right? And uh, and it's pretty obvious how they're going to play. We'll. Um, We'll see. I mean, United, of course, aren't going to do the thing that you need to do, which is just give them the ball. Um, will they stretch the game and and uh, allow Leicester to play over the top of them or not? We'll see. Uh, you, could, you sort of imagine they would because there is still a problem in defence at United, isn't there? The right-back position looks like it's going to be Valencia. I'm not sure any of us feel particularly positive about that, except for my friend Joe. Hello, Joe. Um, the, the left-back's obviously not a problem. Eric Bailly's looked really good in pre-season, but you could you kind of imagine some of that is a little bit of pre-season sheen. Yeah, Marcus Rocco looked good in pre-season once. <laughs> yeah, what, look, was, he, no, it? Marcus Rocco never had a pre-season at Manchester United. No, he enough. wasn't allowed to play because he did have a passport and then he got lost on an aeroplane with Angel Di Maria or this something. This is true. This is true. I, I made a quip without really thinking about it. Um... Look, yeah, we'll see. Uh, the, it, 
I wouldn't be surprised to see Jones and Smalling start the season. Jones is a problem, isn't he? I mean, you know, he, he's clearly going to get injured at some point and, uh, and you know, he hasn't improved at all on the pitch over the last five years. Smalling just needs, like, first half of last season, that form. If he can hit that and Mourinho's the man to, to make a defender better, definitely. Uh, that's not a problem. Another senior defender would be very sensible and just clean out some of the the chaff. Uh, it's very hard to think of any good reason for Phil Jones still being at the club. Massive talent when he was eighteen, just hasn't improved since then. Uh, Jamie Jackson reporting that uh, Jones and Smalling had been told they would be the first choice pairing as the season started. It's kind of interesting. I wonder if preseason has changed Mourinho's thinking on that at all. Um, and anyway, even if they are. It's only going to be a matter of weeks before Phil Jones injured, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't wish it on him, but that seems likely based on history. So I think Eric Bay will have chances, and he does look like a talent for sure. Uh, it's been fun watching him, actually. He's very cool on the ball. But yeah, very talented. Yeah, um, I think he'll be a big asset. It's You know, it's, there'll be an adjustment period because defending in the Premier League is definitely different than defending in the... La Liga. I tell you, I'm really reluctant to kind of strongly go against a stance you take when you're slightly more cynical about something than me because history has often shown you to be right when it comes to on-the-pitch matters of cynicism versus optimism. But watching Zlatan in pre-season, 45 minutes admittedly, I'm not at all convinced he's going to struggle in the Premier League. I'm really, I'm really not at all convinced by that. I don't, I don't think I ever used the word struggle. No, but you sort of, you said like, you said you think he's going to get less than twenty goals, and that the kind of there'll be a sort of shock to the system of the Premier League for him. He's just so enormous and strong. He is, he is that. Yeah, um, I don't think he's got the zip left anymore we'll, we'll I we could will well be proven wrong we will I, I do hope he scores like 59 goals <laughs> what did he get last season 58 58 in all comps yeah I hope he gets 59 <laughs> there would have to be like 17 against Yeovil <laughs> in the FA Cup or something um it's that overhead kick was I mean it, you know it's not, it wasn't an aesthetically perfect over kick, overhead kick but it was an absolutely perfect moment like indeed it's, I just burst out laughing and here's to many more of those i mean there were just a bunch of little flicks and zlatan stuff i just i just can't wait to watch him in real life it's going to be a joy uh we've got another week maybe uh after the leicester game we'll have sewn up the pogba transfer and we can talk about that all over again next weekend and uh, um, or next week and, and we'll do a proper preview of the season and some predictions so we can uh, look back on this at the uh in the end of May 2017 and laugh at ourselves for being so ridiculously wrong. And before we um, record the extra stuff for patrons, we said the show wouldn't change. Uh, and it's not going to. We are going to do rank cast questions before we call it a night on the main show. We've got your backs, folks. If you back us, that is absolutely awesome. Patreon.com slash rankcast. If you can't or just don't want to, that is completely fine too. The beauty of crowdfunding is it allows for a very small percentage of the audience to do like to to support the show so if you want to get involved at any level that is super awesome if you're not that bothered um and or, or you can't or you know and definitely like don't feel bad at all if you can't especially enjoy the show keep listening to the show it is for you that's why we're doing the patreon so we can keep doing the show yeah that's that's all very nice i mean guys wonga.com <laughs> go take out a loan <laughs> no don't do that do not do that um at blabberwan says will david moyes and his sunderland side get relegated this year brackets please say yes please i hope so no i don't no. think so i mean you know he's found his level and yeah. uh, i think he'll do okay there yeah and and as the lads on the second captain podcast were saying earlier uh, today it came out the, the division is essentially 19 teams this season because Hull are going to get relegated because they're in all kinds of turmoil. Oh what a mess yeah. at Hull. Um, Ryan Giggs, I'm sure, is sensible enough not to try and take that job. <laughs> yes. Chris at C. Pascali says, will Mourinho bring his terrible record versus Newcastle with him? 
I don't know if I was aware of this. Is Mourinho? I, it seems to ring a bell now that that even when Newcastle were at their abject worst last season, they beat Chelsea. It was just after Sunderland had played us, I think, because it was in the press room at Old Trafford and all the Sunderland journalists were looking thoroughly miserable. After we beat Sunderland, um, they were all looking thoroughly miserable when Newcastle was scoring against Chelsea. I don't think he will, because our really good record against Newcastle will overwhelm it. Newcastle aren't even in the div- the division. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> I, was, I was thinking when he's saying that, I'm like, there's something wrong here. <laughs> Brain, work, work, work on this. Nope, they're not in the Premier League. That is what the problem is. They are going to absolutely walk the championship and be back, though, with uh, Rafa. So Rafa versus Mourinho. Uh, and dump us out of the uh, Carling Cup <laughs> third round, or whatever it's called, the yeah. Capital One Cup. And at Rich Chilver says, how much out of the one to a hundred million or percent, he says, of Pogba's fee is down to his homegrown status? Hmm. Two? <laughs> yeah, not much, yeah. Um, the, the bigger question is, uh, how much is Raiola's fee? Is it a couple of million or is it 45 million or whatever Tank, Fat Tank is saying on Twitter? Uh, I think he's walking back that one now at the, as we speak, isn't he? It's a, it's a lot of money. Mino Raiola, imagine being Mino Raiola and going like, right, Man United, this transfer, I'm going to hold this up. Even though you've spent all summer literally standing behind me, throwing money at me. Like, all summer, all Edward Wood's done is give Mino Raiola money. And he's still holding up this deal. Unbelievable. The ball's on him. At Stretford Enders says, on a rating of naught to MUFC winning the treble, where do you rate next goal wins? Uh, we're going to talk about documentaries extensively in the bonus content of the Rankcast. Uh, but I liked it. That's a spoiler warning for Patreons. Uh, at they were Kone's uh, asked us a question which we'll just park for this week because we're going to talk about this a lot next week. Will Rashford feature regularly? It's interesting. Um, at Shivam underscore Chopra says, Will Mourinho benefit from the Van Gaal effect? Even if he parks the bus, it'll seem more exciting than last season. An interesting question because I think if Mourinho had come in after. Ferguson, there'd have been lots of questions about his style of football. Now, the thought of kind of slightly defensive-minded counter-attacking football seems like a dream. Yeah, true. Um, I I think he's going to benefit an awful lot from three disastrous seasons. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get a lot of rope. Uh, He he could still well hang himself with it, of course. You know, look, um, there are going to be a lot of teams that are not as good as United this season. I think United will be a force. We'll come to the predictions next week, but uh, United will be a force again. There won't be too many games in which Mourinho feels the necessity to do that, especially because United aren't in the Champions League. At Tishang says, Mata stays but Bastion goes. Do you think Mourinho is trying to keep the nice guys versus mean guys balance in the squad? <laughs> like, yeah, you can have Mata for his hugs, but you're not having happy birthday Bastion. Can't believe he did it to Bastion on his birthday. Of oh, Honestly, that's like attacking Santa Claus at Christmas. Bastian Schweinsteiger is the king of birthdays. Seems fair enough to me. <laughs> Ruthless. That's the balance of nice guys versus mean guys on the podcast. Game of Thrones <laughs> turns up at Old Trafford. <laughs> Winter is coming. I don't actually watch Game of Thrones. I just know that's the catchphrase. Um, at Winter has come, didn't you know? Oh, yeah, that's why the filming of the show's delayed, right? Because they're going to actually have to film it in winter. That's right. They're going <laughs> to film it in Iceland for the next... Uh, four months or so, where, um, you know, where Moisey will be managing next after he's failed at Sunderland. I am Kuchibatia says, is Edward Wood the wolf of the transfer market? No. Like, oh, honestly, everyone's going to be like, oh, Edward Wood deserves so much credit for this summer. Like, He couldn't do it properly for Van Gaal. He definitely couldn't do it for Moyes. Jose Mourinho, if, if Mourinho wasn't the manager, this summer wouldn't have been anything like it's been. Uh, and then he said, hey, Mino, would you like this really, 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 really offensive amount of money just for signing some paperwork? Mino was like, no, I want that doubled. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Edward was like, look, now we actually have to negotiate. I'll give you that doubled minus 2% or whatever. Anyway, um, at Harshit Parsi says, uh, how do I console myself seeing a childhood idol being mistreated by my beloved club? It is honestly like I agree with you totally about the logic of it. It is just sad to see Schweinsteiger kind of kicked out to pasture. But I think you just reconcile it by the kind of real politic of football. This is just what football's like. It's a cruel business. 
It is indeed. At Red Voices MUFC, say Pogba came over to your house for the evening. What meal would you cook him and why? I don't know the answer, but what I would do is I would ring up Patrice Ever and get him to tell me because he definitely knows the answer. I don't actually have the capacity to ring up Patrice Ever, but I bet if Paul Pogba was coming over for dinner, I could get Patrice Ever's number. I bet you could, yeah. It'd be something fancy though, wouldn't it? I don't know. Do you think so? I think it might just be like a good straightforward... Le Big Bang? (laughs) Not something nutritious like good vegetable curry and rice. That's like, that would be what I would cook him because I can make it and it would be nice. Yeah. Mm. Then me and Paul Pogba would be best mates forever. Too much starch, not enough carbs. No good for an athlete. What, rice? (laughs) (laughs) You had a pasta before your big meal. Oh, okay, right. Well, I could do him some Italian, but then he might be like, oh, Italian food. Remember how nice it was being in Italy? I want to move back to Italy. Manchester's rubbish. So you've got to be careful. Of those being linked to loan moves, asks at Wormito, will any make it at United afterwards? Was Tom Cleverley the last player to benefit from a loan? I mean, Paul Popper, obviously. Um, everyone makes that joke. Yeah, well, the loan system is very different these days. I mean, not as many players can go out. The emergency loan system has been canned. Um, it's it's harder for uh, loanees to get time in, in English football. You know, the harvesting of young players and then loaning them out to, to clubs abroad is very common, especially Chelsea, but... Um, you know, a little bit United, not so much. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, I it, it's not obvious to me that any of the loanies from last season, well, obviously uh, Fletcher's already gone. Um, uh, I'm not sure that we'll ever see Blackett again. Uh, so, you know, it's not clear to me that any of them have benefited from that. Who Who's getting loaned out this season? I mean, I, Yanazai, I guess, unless he goes permanently. I'm not sure why he'd go to Sunderland, but... Uh, uh, we'll see. Um, Tuanzebi might go on loan. Looks like Timothy, Timothy Fosu-Menso is definitely staying. Yeah, that's good news. It is good news. It'd be better news if he was in the team. But uh, we'll, we'll see about that one. So, no, I mean, it's it's a fair question. It's hard to really get benefit. And, and it will be hard to benefit under Mourinho because you're going to have to be an elite player. Yeah. Uh, to make it at United. And, and, you know, it's not that far off. Ferguson's policy. Ferguson got very lucky. Got a lot of elite young players, um, and all at the same time. And and his his collection before the '92 team were not elite. You know, they they were not the ones that brought the glory to to Fergie. He did it because he didn't have the resources. Then he got this massive clutch. You know, um, I I think Mourinho will will play the younger players where they're good enough, uh, and it's very hard to get good enough. And I think the one player that I'm not worried about at all under Mourinho is Rashford in in that sense. Because I I think he so obviously is good enough. At Free on Goal says, who would be better at football golf, Scholes or Beckham? That is a brilliant question. I think think it's Scholesy. You know, I I think... Do you? Because I I was going to say Beckham. I I think when it comes to, you know, well, well... Okay, so Scalzi would have a would he would have the iron game, wouldn't he? You know, he would his beautiful positioning on every shot, uh, never makes a mistake. Bex has the power game, such a clean striker of the ball. Yeah, and and like, have you seen that video where he kicks three footballs into dustbins that are absolutely miles away on a beach? Right. Like, I don't know if that video is real, but if that video is real, there's no one better at football golf than David Beckham. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I do think one thing that I think you could make a solid argument for is that there would literally be no one better in the world at football golf than either Paul Scholes or David Beckham. Like they are number one and two. Absolutely. Uh, any more questions or shall we uh, wrap up our first show of the new season there? Yeah, a, sh- a question from at Gary underscore 1105 says, is there any way I can make some sort of financial contribution to the rank cast, possibly in return for special rewards? I don't, I don't think there is. <laughs> I can't really think of anything, but if you want to send a cheque to... <laughs> hey, listen, patreon.com slash rank cast. And talking of patrons, uh, patron listeners, stick around because uh, you're getting some more podcasts right now. Um, everyone else, uh, we will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening and um, excited to be back for a new season of Rankcast. See you next week.